0: Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand.
1: This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. When Oregon lawmakers started their session earlier this month, they got some good news from state economists. The latest economic forecast says that there is 558 more million dollars more in state coffers than was initially expected. Still, a lot of that money has already been accounted for and Oregon's stalling population growth could have a negative effect on the state's economy in the future. Mark McMullen is a state economist. He joins us now. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Dave. So let's start with these most recent numbers, the $558 million more that's on hand than was originally budgeted for. Where did that money come from?
0: So that's $558 million in addition to what we last told uh, the legislature three months ago in our last quarterly update. And a lot of that's coming from the spending side in terms of the revenue outlook Uh, It's very stable right now, and it's tracking very closely with expectations, aside from uh, a few a few exceptions and different line items in revenue. So, revenues were revised upward a little bit, uh, 76 million. 76 million is not a little bit. Obviously, that pays for a lot of teachers, but uh, much less than a half a percentage point in terms of the two-year budget. Uh, But Uh, Overall, uh, putting the spending side in there as well, we have uh, $558 million in additional resources, as you mentioned. A lot of that coming from uh, unspent appropriations from the last budget period. Here at the end of the year, uh, the accountants closed all the books on the 21-23 budget period and then went ahead and recovered the the resources that weren't used in the last biennium, but were expected to be spent.
1: Can you explain in general what that appropriated but unspent money? I mean, if we're talking about around half a billion dollars close to it, where does that money come from? I mean, is it is it people who were, whose positions existed, but who weren't hired? I mean, how, how do you get almost half a billion dollars of allocated money that's not spent. So
0: we're getting outside of my sandbox here. I'm the revenue side of the equation and not the spending side, but uh, this happens every biennium uh, because the budget's huge and it comes from a whole wide range of agencies and spending programs. And so each one has their own story uh, as to why, whether they were cost savings or whether uh, things didn't get done or people didn't get hired or whatnot. But uh, they sweep this across all of state government. And so again, while four or five hundred million dollars seems like a whole lot uh, over the the whole size of the budget, it's it's, uh, pretty typical uh, from, from biennium to biennium.
1: How much of the money that we're talking about has already now been factored into plans, spending plans, for the current biennium?
0: So uh, the legislature, as of right now, has uh, appropriated almost everything except for uh, about $1.6 in additional resources. Now, that will change after the short session and any additional spending plans that are put in place in the next couple of weeks. Uh, But right now, uh, the the vast majority of the budget has been spent, uh, but lawmakers have left a decent cushion at at this point.
1: Since becoming law in uh, 1979, the, the kicker refund has been triggered more often than not, including the last five budget cycles in a row for personal income taxes. I know we're early here, but what is the current Two year cycle looking like right now in terms of money that's come in and how much money you are expecting over the course of two years?
0: Yes. Now, uh, we have seen additional resources in terms of corporate income taxes that aren't included in the kicker base. But if we count just the kicker base, right now, uh, the two year forecast, we're about uh, $100 million above uh, expectations. So that's, you know, about uh, 20% of the way there, the kicker threshold. Told about 500 million. So I, I said billion the first time, but 100 million above expectations right now. And uh, we're still uh, well below the threshold, although we still have two tax filing seasons to go in the biennium. And so there's still quite a bit of uncertainty out there.
1: Hmm. Am I right that corporate tax revenues are up, r- um, respectively, more than personal income taxes?
0: Absolutely. And this is... Uh, been ever since 2017, when we had law changes at both the federal and the state level, we've seen a real explosion in our traditional corporate income taxes, not the new corporate activity tax. And our traditional corporate income taxes you know, have tripled over that time. And so uh, a lot of this is coming from the largest corporations and a lot of it coming from uh, multi-state corporations that uh, operate in all states, not just Oregon.
1: Oh, to be clear, I guess my question was unclear. But, but for the purposes of projecting um, the, the revenues on the on the corporate side and the income side, is it also the case that that the projections are more off for for corporate revenue than they are for personal income tax revenue?
0: Correct, and and both are some of the most uh, volatile revenue streams and hardest to predict out there. But uh, corporate really does take the cake. Hmm.
1: How does our economic picture right now in total, how does it compare to the national picture?
0: It's looking pretty good. So at the national level, things are stable with a wide range of consensus of economic forecasters and and business leaders believing that we should be able to avoid a recession in the near term. And that's good. uh, But uh, in Oregon and across the U.S., uh, the labor market appears to be pretty much tapped out. Uh, in terms of uh, difficulty finding workers still. And most folks who who want a job have one at this point. And so that's made labor more expensive and made firms uh, look for to become more cost effective by investing in productivity enhancements and the like. And so we're really, going forward, it looks like we're depending more on productivity and not job gains. And in recent history, uh, that's been really good for Oregon. Uh, over this pandemic budget cycle, uh, we're third across states in terms of output per worker. So the productivity gains rather than more workers. And it's we're seeing it across every region of the state with some of our rural uh, counties uh, being included as well. And so and it looks like going forward, this should continue because we're really in a healthy environment for business investment, seeing a lot of startup activity, R&D and the like.
1: But you did tell lawmakers that the the main change in the economic outlook, the most recent one, is a little bit of a downward revision in terms of population and job gains, which could reduce personal income tax receipts going forward. How big a deal is this?
0: That's right, Dave. I mean, potential to be a, a very big deal, but we're, our advisors aren't ready to go there yet. So uh, between uh, the last time we went in front of the legislature and when we did uh, most recently, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we got an additional data point for population. Uh, so the mid-year 2023 numbers from both the Census Bureau and Portland State University came out. And while they differ, uh, they're both uh, flat relatively again for a, a second year and this is something that Oregon is not used to. Uh, You know, the last time we saw population declines or negative out-migration happened in the uh, early 80s when all of the timber mills across the state closed and people were forced to move out to look for jobs. This one is fundamentally different. Where there are plenty of jobs out there, but yet we're seeing a slowdown in our traditionally very strong migration trends. And uh, the leading suspect there would be you know, affordability of the area uh, to, for folks uh, moving to other states or more affordable regions. And so, yes, given this another additional uh, uh, slow population growth data point, we lowered the outlook going forward for both uh, population and employment gains, and those do accrue and become larger the further we go out in time.
1: And I mean, what is the most likely scenario going out, you know, a, c- a couple years in terms of the potential hit to Oregon's economy?
0: So our baseline or most likely scenario is that uh, migration tends to reaccelerate and uh, not back to what we're used to in previous uh, uh, periods of economic expansion where we saw big waves of, of workers coming to state not just any workers but young working age households very uh, uh, productive workers and those in their root setting years which are the gold standard for economic development people buying their houses and choosing their school districts and furnishing them and the like and so uh, we do expect that to bounce back but given the broader uh, demographic mix that we're looking at, it's its very modest to what, compared to what we're used to in the past. So a half a percent of growth uh, every year. Now we have presented to the legislature and the governor an alternative long-run scenario. Well, maybe what, what happens if uh, things have fundamentally changed and our migration trends don't bounce back uh, as expected? And those numbers were surprisingly Uh, less catastrophic than we had worried when we started the exercise for a couple reasons. One, again, our baseline outlook is pretty slow population growth going forward. And the second is we only look out uh, 10 or 15 years in terms of our outlook. And so a lot of these uh, population growth issues uh, don't really fully accrue until you're out 20 or 30 years.
1: Hmm. I want to turn back to the, the, the big question of forecasting revenue at the statewide level. Our political reporter, Dirk Vanderhart Hart, um, did a deep dive into this in December. And he pointed out that according to a few different analyses, only three states did a worse job than Oregon in terms of revenue forecasts between 2015 and 2022. What do you see as the big challenges in Oregon?
0: yeah, uh, those multi-state studies to begin are are not very accurate. They're particularly, you know, there's a lot of uh, you can't really compare different states with different systems and different timing and the like. But uh, just for a few, uh, Oregon looks out two years in its budget rather than one, which, given the uncertainties out there in the world, uh, really do cause for challenges. Uh, the second second issue is our dependence on very volatile revenue streams in our general fund. Uh, We've diversified our tax base in recent years, but not in the general fund. We've added some more consumption-based taxes, a lot of them. Uh, Of course, the uh, corporate activity tax being number one, but we have a lot of lottery revenues and cigarette taxes and vehicle privilege taxes and lodging taxes and a whole list of things that aren't in the general fund. Uh, And so not measured in these studies yet uh, are meant to stabilize the revenue base and for which the the forecasts are quite a bit more more accurate uh, whereas our uh, corporate and personal income taxes are very volatile and so uh, which form the basis of the of the general fund and they're even more volatile than in most states for a couple reasons one because our underlying economy is more boom bust A place like Kansas, where economic growth is pretty stable year over year, is a lot different than Oregon, where anytime the U.S. grows, we grow faster, and most of the time when the U.S. shrinks, we shrink further. And then finally, we have a progressive system in our income tax, where we have uh, the top rate uh, increases quite a bit, and so when times are good, not only uh, do we see more income tax come in, I mean, in terms of taxable income come in, but then it's taxed at higher average rates because more people creep up those brackets and more of the income is realized at this top bracket. Particularly, the hardest stuff for us to to forecast is all the investment and business type income that passes through the personal income taxes, where uh, taxpayers can realize this at different times than they earn it in the market. So they've had a stock for 10 or 20 years. They're afraid the capital gains tax is going to go up like people were a year or two ago. And they decide to pull all those realizations into the, in this case, the 2021 tax year, which made last biennium particularly uh, difficult to handle.
1: So there's I mean, two huge issues there that you're outlining. One is just is is the entire makeup of our economy, three, I guess. Um, and and the the way revenue works here, the way taxes work. But then there's also the, the budgeting question, the fact that that lawmakers in Oregon, which is not the norm among the majority of states, budget at two-year cycles, and your forecasts then necessarily are also two years out. You've said that 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 makes forecasting more than twice as hard, even though only even though you're only looking twice as far out. What do you mean?
0: Well, obviously, uh, there are shocks to the economy, you know, at any given point in time. and so uh, if those you know it's more likely that you're going to have something happen, uh, a pandemic or whatever it may be uh, over those over that period of time. and so, Uh, It kind of compounds these errors, uh, particularly if one of these shocks comes early in the forecasting period. Then you've changed the trajectory for a whole two years, and so it has more time for that error to compound.
1: Mark McMullen, thanks very much. Thank you. Mark McMullen is the Oregon State Economist.